Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast with Pastor Lawson Perdue. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're all here. God is so good. Anyway, I want to start in Isaiah 53 today. Isaiah 53, verse 8. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy of Jesus on the cross. And Isaiah prophesied this some six to seven hundred years before Jesus was born. And in Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 8, it says this. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. You know, Jesus was crucified when he was 33 years old. So he lived relatively a pretty short life on earth. He was cut off out of the land of the living. Who is going to declare his generation? Isaiah asked this question. Now, when we go to Romans, I want to turn to Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, it says this in verse 29. And what Paul is talking about in Romans 8, 29, if you read the context, he's talking about God's plan for our life from the beginning of creation throughout eternity. But he makes a statement in verse 29, and he says, for who he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. First of all, when we talk about predestination, I believe that every person is predestined to salvation. I don't believe that there's any person who's predestined to damnation. And that's my opinion, and I think I'm right. (laughs) Amen? Some people have some different opinions. But you know, the Bible says it's God's will that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Right? And so, I believe it's God's will for all to be saved. Now, as we look at this, notice what it says He says, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. The goal for each one of us as believers is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It's not to be like Pastor Lawson. It's not to be like your favorite TV preacher, your favorite sports figure. It's to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Notice he says, Who shall declare his generation? And then he says, God's call for all of us is to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when you believe in Jesus, Christ is born on the inside of you. You have the spirit of Christ in you. Praise God. Then 1 John chapter 5 verse 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, who shall declare his generation. Now today we want to talk a little bit about the reach of the gospel. And I believe that the reach of the gospel is nations and generations. Praise God. Nations and generations. Now when Barbara had this vision and we got the flag, she said, I want to do 30 countries. So we handpicked those 30 countries. And what's interesting about those 30 flags that we had that represent the nations of the world is I personally have either preached in those 30 countries or 
Karis Christian Center, Karis Ministry supports the gospel in some manner or form in those 30 countries, as well as a number of others. Praise God. And so we're sharing the gospel, and I believe that's God's will is for us to take the gospel all around the world, to the nations of the world. Now, when we go to the book of Acts, when the church was born on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 2, I want to read about this, and I want you to think about Jesus' life. Again, he was crucified when he was 33 years old. He only spent three years in the ministry before he was crucified. And in his lifetime, you know, he, he had 12, right? Then he had 70 that he sent forth. Then there were 120 that were gathered together in the upper room. And the most it ever says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says after his resurrection, he was seen of over 500 brethren at once. So the most that we know that Jesus was seen of at one time was 500 in his earthly life, even after his resurrection, before his ascension. And yet on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, merely 50 days after the resurrection, that's what Pentecost means, it's 50 days after. So Jesus was crucified and resurrected during the Passover week. And then the Holy Spirit was sent and the church was born at Pentecost. So 49, seven weeks plus one, 50 days, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was born. So Acts chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them forked tongues like a fire and sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Notice verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem. They were living there. Devout men. These were men who feared God. These were men who respected God. Devout men out of every, they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, Jerusalem is a very special city, specifically to the Jews, because the Jews had three pilgrimage feasts that we, they were to take to Jerusalem. One was at the Passover feast. Again, Passover was when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. That's talking about salvation. One was 50 days later at the Feast of Pentecost. At the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was born. The third one was tabernacles and that represents Christ's reign on the earth. But these men that were there, devout men, Jews, out of every nation on the day of Pentecost. Notice what happens in verse six. When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because they heard every, every man from these different nations heard them speak in his own language. 
And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, aren't these all who speak Galileans? These were the disciples of Jesus. And yet these men, devout Jews from every nation, were there and heard them speaking in their own languages the wonderful works of God. There were Perinthians and Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figria, Pamphylia in Egypt, all the parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own languages the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what does this mean? Others mocking and said, these, these men are full of new mind. Now, I want you to realize the, the magnificence of what happened here. Because it's Pentecost and they're all gathered together to celebrate Pentecost. Devout Jews from every nation under heaven. And the Holy Spirit's poured out. The church is born. So the gospel immediately is being sent to the nations of the world. You study these nations, nations of Europe, nations of Asia, nations of the Middle East, nations of Africa, all of the then known nations of the world were represented when the church was born. The gospel was going to all the nations. And did you know God has always had a witness to the nations? Dr. Lester Sumrall wrote a book called Where Was God When World Religions Were Born? You know, every time that there was a major world religion born, God had a witness right there. Mohammed had a wife who was a Jew and a wife who was a Christian. But he didn't choose to believe. But God has always had a witness. And when the church was born, he had these devout men out of every nation. And they said, what does this mean? Peter stood up, lifted up his voice in verse 14 and said, you men of Judea and you who dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Listen to my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Devout men from every nation, I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Notice, we've been in the last days. I'm going to pour out my spirit for 2,000 years. On all flesh. And your sons and daughters. You see that? Nations and generations. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Generations. And I will pour out my servants and my handmaids. I will pour out of those days my spirit, inspirational gifts. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Signs and wonders, power gifts. 
Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The glory of God is going to be manifest. You know, somebody came to me before first service and they said, I was here a few weeks ago and Barbara gave a word and I came up as exactly what I had. You prayed for me and I've been healed from that day to this. I walked out of here healed. A man came to me before this service, said, I came up, it was a couple of weeks ago. You pre- he had it, he had it. You know, an eye disease is supposed to make him go blind. I said, well, you go back and talk to the doctor and you're going to come back and have a testimony. It was in both of his eyes. We went back and got checked out. One of his eyes is completely healed. The other one's getting better. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Power gifts. The sun is going to be turned to darkness. The moon to blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Revelation gifts. The sun's going to be turned to darkness. You know, some people believe in evolution. I don't believe in evolution. We're not evolving if you haven't figured it out. Some things are devolving. The sun is going to be turned to darkness. When I was in science in about seventh or, you know, seven or eight years old, second or third grade, they said one day the sun is going to burn up. The sun's going to be turned to darkness. And the moon's going to turn to blood. Guess what? When the sun turns to darkness, the moon's going going to look like blood. It's not going to be so bright anymore. He's prophesying about what this is revelation gifts. This, but you know what happens when that We're going to go into a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness and the Lord God and the Lamb are the light thereof. There'll be no need of the sun or the moon or the stars because that's going to have eternal light. Listen to what he says. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth was a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. How many of you are glad that we still have miracles and wonders and signs? Not only was Jesus approved by miracles, wonders, and signs, but if you read Hebrews chapter 2, it says that his apostles and his prophets were people who were approved by miracles, wonders, and signs. We still have miracles, wonders, and signs. When we had the women's conference, Barbara had a word for, and a lady came forward. She was from another place, and we had 550 ladies sign up from 20 different states. Hallelujah. She was from another place, and, and so they prayed for her. She went back to her doctor, and she got checked out, and she's completely healed. She sent us a testimony in. Miracles, wonders, and signs. And you know what? They're not only for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they're for believers. These signs will follow them who believe. How many of you are believers in here? Hallelujah, I'm a believer. So these signs should follow you. So we begin to look at this. Now, he goes on and says, listen, Jesus is the one. You know, he says, God did miracles and signs. He was approved by God. Verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God put Christ on the cross for our sins. You have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. 
but God raised him from the dead. And that was his message. God raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus is Lord. Now, when Peter preached this message, they, they asked in verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What does this mean? And what shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent. You need to get saved. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You've been going the wrong way. You didn't believe in Jesus. You crucified Jesus. God raised him from the dead. You need to believe Jesus. Repent. And be baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice this. For this promise is to you and your children, generations, and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, again, I believe God called everyone at the cross. John 12, verse 32, I think it is, says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. If you study it out in the Greek, it means if I be lifted up, I will take all judgment to myself. Jesus took the judgment for the whole world upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 says that God was in Christ, not imputing the sins of the world to him and has committed to us, those of us who believe, the word of reconciliation. So we beg of you, be reconciled. Get right with God. Jesus already paid the price for your sin. God's not mad at you. He loves you. Praise God. That's the message that we preach. Now look at verse 40. And with many other words, he did testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. So Jesus lived on the earth 33 years. The last three years he ministered. The greatest crowd that we know that he had, right, or, or we know that really believed on him was 500. Okay, he had crowds of thousands. But we know he, he was seen of over 500 brethren at once after his resurrection. But the very first day the church was born, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people. I believe they were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? They just went ahead and took the whole thing. Amen? Why not get it all? Amen? Why not take it all? Why not receive it all? Why don't take oh. But first of all, what is the reach of the gospel? Nations, devout men from every nation under heaven. Praise God. Save yourselves from this untoward generation and generations. Now that word untoward generation, that is the Greek word skalios. It means curved, right? When I was about 14 years old, I hurt my back and went to the chiropractor, born-again, spirit-filled chiropractor. They took x-rays of my back. The chiropractor said, you have, you have curvature of the spine. You have scoliosis. He said, don't irrigate. 
Don't stack hay, you know, hay bales. Hard work. Don't do all, don't lift anything heavy because you've got curvature of the spine. And when I left, I said, doctor, thank you, and I won't be back. And I went and irrigated, and I went and stacked hay, and I went and worked hard, praise God. In fact, until just last year, I was running about 2,000 miles a year. If any of you know what running does, it's a little hard on your back. But I want to tell you that my back is healthy, my back is strong, and my back is well. But that word, save yourselves from this crooked, from this perverse, from this warped, from this unfair generation. It's like he's preaching today. Crooked, perverse, wicked, forgot that one, warped, unfair, surly generation. Save yourselves. You know what happened to the Roman Empire? Jesus Christ dealt the Roman Empire a death blow. The Roman Empire was there, so they had the roads, they had the ways, they had the means for the gospel to be spread. But Jesus dealt it a death blow. If you don't realize it, if you go back to Daniel's vision, Daniel saw the Gentile empires of the world. And we are living in the revised Roman Empire. The feet of iron and clay. I saw a vision. The head was as a head of gold, and the breast and arms were of silver, and the belly and thighs were of brass, and the legs were of iron. That's Eastern and Western Rome. And the feet were of iron and clay. That's revised Rome. And I saw until a stone cut without hands came from the heavens and hit the image, not in the head, but in the feet. And the image fell to the ground, and the stone became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. One day, Jesus Christ, the stone who the builders disallowed, will become the headstone of the corner. And every nation will worship him. Jesus is the king of kings. And Jesus is the Lord of lords. But until that day, what are we supposed to do? We're to preach the gospel. Where we preach the gospel to every nation. Matthew said it this way. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus said, all power, all authority, all dominion is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Dr. Delron Shirley comes here to church, has a ministry called Teach All Nations. Last year, Delron and his wife Peggy were both turning 70. So they decided for their 70th birthday what they would do to celebrate it. They wanted to pick a nation and see that the gospel went to every home in that nation. So they went to every home for Christ they talked to the leaders at Every Home for Christ, and they found out that they, could, that they could support the gospel to go to every home in the nation of Fiji 
for $50,000. So they said, we're going to take that on and we're going to believe God that we can give $50,000 and take the gospel, personally see that the gospel is hand-delivered to every home in the nation of Fiji. When I found out they were doing it, I called them because they didn't say how much it was going to cost. They said, how much? He said, 50000 I said, we'll do a tithe off of that. So early last year, we gave them 5000 We did a tithe. And then in December, I said, now, where are you on the goal? We got about 7000 or something left. I said, listen, I'm going to do a gift match, and we'll get it all in. And I did a gift match, and you know what? We got all of it in, praise God, and extra. So they took the gospel to one, to one nation, teach all nations, go into all the world and teach, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, immerse them into who God is, who Christ is, and who the Holy Spirit is, teaching them to observe my commandments, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this world or this age. Praise God, we're personally involved. Now, how many nations are there in the world? We had 30 flags here today representing 30 nations. Julie Mapatano said, where was Congo? Because we support orphans and widows in Congo. Julie Mapatano is a single mom that comes to this church. She feeds 969 mothers and children every day of the year. She's a single mom. I said, I don't know, Julie. We were supposed to have it. She said, I'm going to Congo next month, so I'll make sure that we have a Congo flag for Karis Christian Center. I said, that's good. Hallelujah. Go teach all nations. How many nations are in the world? How many nations? 195 nations in the world. 7.6 billion people in the world. That means if you take the average of those nations, it's approximately 39 and a quarter million people per nation. What if the gospel didn't go to one nation? Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom, I love your scripture, Barbara. Matthew 24, verse 14, is going to be a preach for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. Mark said it this way in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, through the end of the chapter, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Notice the focus is on the believing. And these signs shall follow those who believe. Javier preached a great message last Wednesday night about how signs follow those who believe. And he got people up there. He said, I was looking for the signs. God said, they follow you. You go out and start laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. You go start casting out devils. Amen? These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. I talked to one of our old, older members in first service. He said, last Monday, my wife, something happened to her brain, and she, she couldn't talk. 
And I talked to her, and she said, blah, 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 blah. And he said, I laid my hands on her head and said, devil, get off of her in the name of Jesus. He said, she started talking fine. She went to the doctor, spent several hours, and they couldn't find a thing wrong with her. She's completely healed. Glory to God. These signs will follow them who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. They're going to do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. They're going to take up serpents. Now, we're not snake handlers, okay? <laughs> Praise God. Javier had, this. He had snake, snake handlers. I said, no, Javier, we're not, we're not handling snakes. Sometimes in the translation, see, because his first language is Spanish, sometimes we lose a little. A guy I know, he, he got out of Bible school and wanted to preach somewhere. Nobody would have him. So he started calling churches. I'm going to go to a church and preach somewhere. It's a church down in Kentucky. He said, yeah, come on. You can preach here. He got there, and all the preachers were sitting up on the stage. He said he got up there. All the music was going. He said, then they brought out some boxes full of very poisonous snakes. They opened him up and started passing the snakes down the line. He got up and got out of there. That, <laughs> No, we're not talking about handling snakes. Now, if you're like Paul and you're out working, you know what? You shouldn't be afraid of working. By the way, we call it the work of the ministry. It is work. If you don't believe it's work, follow me around a little bit. JT, Heather asked JT, she said, why you got your snow boots going to church? He says, because I work for Pastor Lawson. So he's ready when I called. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we all work here. Amen. I work too. I'm not afraid of work. I wouldn't be here. So they started handing these snakes down. He said he got out there as fast as he could. You know there's protection in relationship. What's that talking about? These signs will fall. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak in it. They'll take up. They'll have divine protection. If they drink, like Paul, he was out preaching the gospel, and he went to pick up some sticks for a fire, and his snake jumped out and bit him is on the island of Melita. And they said, hey, he, the shipwreck didn't give it, get him, but he must be an evil man. He was, he's going to fall down dead now. But when he should have fell down dead, he lived. Had a revival on everywhere he went. Praise God. You know everywhere Jesus went, he either had a riot or a revival. You're not going to make everybody happy all the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. A riot or a revival everywhere he went. You know, you ought to make a difference. They ought to know that you've been there. You're going to make some people ha happy, glad. You're going to make some people sad. You might make some people mad, too. I try not to, but you know, once in a while somebody gets mad. I'm sorry. They're going to have divine protection. And they shall lay hands on the sick. I'm still in Mark 16. And they shall recover. Who? These signs will follow them who believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll have divine protection. They'll lay hands on the sick. Believers. How many of you are believers in this place? How many of you got hands? These signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. And the disciples went and preached the gospel everywhere, and the Lord worked with the word that they preached and confirmed the word with signs following. Luke says it this way. In Luke chapter 24, we'll look at verse 46 and verse 47. 
Thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. The whole reason Jesus came and was crucified and was resurrected is so that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What is the reach of the gospel? All nations. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then shall the end come. How many want to see Jesus come soon? What we got to do is keep preaching the gospel to the nations. But it's not only to the nations, it's to your sons and your daughters, your old men and your young men. It's to generations. Now, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 78. And I'm going to read the first eight verses. I'm actually going to read it in the modern English version. The modern English is a phenomenal version. It's kind of patterned after the King James. The Queen of England a few years ago wanted it written. It's a great version. I read it almost every day. And I read the King James a lot too. Listen to Psalm 78, verse 1 through 8, modern English version. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth at a parable. I will utter insightful sayings of old, which we have heard and known, which our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell the coming generation the praises of the Lord and his strength and the wonderful works he has done. For he established a rule at Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they would make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children who are not yet born, who will arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments that they may not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set their hearts steadfast and whose spirit was not faithful to God. In other words, he said, I want you to take my word and I want you to share it with your children so they can share it with their children so their children can share it with the children that have not yet been born. Generation to generation. God wants the gospel not only to go to nations, but he wants it to go to generations. And specifically, and I'm going to probably teach on this next week, the third generation. Because we want to get it to the third generation. You see, the fact is, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1978 in the end of the charismatic movement. And I had a personal experience with the power of God that changed my life forever. And because my children lived with me, my children understand my passion for the Word and my passion for the Holy Spirit. Right? Because they had a personal relationship with me. So they've experienced but it's not enough for me just to get it to my children. My prayer is that my grandchildren will get it. And you know what? If it's not renewed by the third generation, you lose it. 
So I want my grandchildren to have a personal experience, a personal revelation of the Holy Spirit and of the truth of God's Word. Because if they have that personal experience, then it will go to their children, and hopefully it will go to their grandchildren, generation to generation. And there's something about the third generation. Maybe I'll teach on it next week. You know what really excites me? What really excites me is when someone I've ministered to in the past, not only that their children might come here to a service, but a few months ago I was in, I had to do something. I'm usually never there, but I was in the Cold Stone Creamery. I think somebody gave me a gift card. And I was in the Cold Stone Creamery, and it was, I, had, I was buying some. You know, I couldn't use it all. But when I was walking out, I saw one of the men that helped me start in the gospel, that helped me start our church at Kitkarth. His granddaughter was there, and she recognized me, and she comes here to church. They, they drive like 130 miles to come to church. She said, Pastor Lawson. I was so touched. I just gave her all the gift cards that I had left. <laughs> Praise God. I didn't recognize her, but she recognized me. But you know, what really touches me is when I see her sitting in church. Her grandpa's not here. Sometimes her daddy's not here. Sometimes he is. But when I see her, it's the grandchild of the man that helped me start preaching the gospel some 30 years ago. That just cranks my tractor. It cranks my tractor when I see Larry's grandkids up here waving flags and worshiping Jesus. It gets me excited. Hallelujah. And I got some of those grandbabies here today. And I'm so happy that they're here because I didn't only get it to the first generation and the second generation, but it's the third generation that's getting a revelation of the truth of God's word and the power of God's spirit. Now, there's three things that I taught my children. Number one, this is what we learned from the Jews, and this is what we taught our kids. Number one, we want you to love God's word. We want you to love the word of God. And I used to travel some years ago when my kids were little, and if I had a phone, I would call them up and I'd say, did you read your Bible today? First thing I wanna know, did you read your Bible? They say, and I have them read a chapter of the Bible. I really want them to read one chapter of the New Testament every day, five or six days a week. You read through the New Testament in a year. I read through the whole Bible almost, you know, every year. I, I read three to five chapters a day, six days a week. Sometimes I read a lot more. Once in a while I miss, but I'm always reading. I love the Word because the Word will change your life. Amen. The second thing that we wanted our children to know is we want them to love their family. Now, if you don't know it, the family is under attack. And a lot of this nonsense that's going on, there's an attack. They don't want grandpa to be with the grandchildren. Because they don't want the grandchildren to know the freedom that grandpa experienced. And they're trying to separate generations. So it's time for the church to stand up and tell the truth. I recently went to a restaurant it was a couple months back. And I was with Ashley and Carly. There it is. And 
got reprimanded by the waitress for not having a mask. I, I, it's a big place. They only had three tables seated in the whole house. I, it's like, how, how, how bad do you want to kill your business? And so I, I told the waitress, I said, now listen, I, I, I just want to give you a little of my opinion. <laughs> and if you wear a mask, I love you. And if, if, if you think that protects you, I love you. Right? And I'm not worried about it. Okay, but, but I said, it, it's really amazing to me that in the states where they don't have mask mandates, that they have less percentage of people who are sick. And then they have less percentage of the people who are sick that are dying. So that amazes me. So I think the real problem is fear. And how do you combat fear? You combat fear with faith. So number one, we teach our children the truth of the word. Love the word. Number two, love your family. That's what he's saying right here. I want you to teach the word to your children so they can teach their children, so their children can teach their children, and so their children can teach the children that are not yet born. Nations and generations, teach them the truth. Teach them to love the word and teach them to love their family. Number three, I want you to teach them a practical trade. Teach them how to work. Teach them a practical trade. Why? If you don't work, you don't eat. That's my daddy's favorite scripture. I had my granddaughter out holding the hose, watering a tree. She was about three years old. My kids took a picture of it and said, Daddy, you're starting her young. Because <laughs> I had them do things like that. Responsibility is good for children. There's, other, there's one more thing, and I'm going to go through it really quick, okay? That we taught our children. It's found in Daniel. Daniel was a phenomenal leader. He was so successful. Daniel was, was a leader under four different world leaders, under four different kings in three different kingdoms. That's tremendous favor. And so these principles I found in the book of Daniel, and I taught them to my children, and I think they'll work for anybody's children. Number one, you need to live with purpose. Number two, you need a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Daniel got supernatural revelation. Number three, you need to know the power of relationship. The power of, Peter, my youngest son, went to Princeton University. He said, the number one thing that I learned is the power of relationship, the power of connecting with people. It's not all the facts. It's not all the figures. It's not all the numbers. It's not all the systems. It's the power of people and connecting with people, the power of relationship. Number four, keep a good attitude. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Pastor Lawson needs to work on that. <laughs> Amen. Keep a good attitude. Because if you keep it, okay, live with purpose. Live with the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Connect to the right people. Amen? And keep a good attitude, and you're going to go far in life. Amen? Amen? So those are some things I taught my children. Now, can I share one more thing? <laughs> David says this in Psalm 78. We want to teach you the word, and we get, want to get that from generation to generation. But not only do we want to teach you the truth of the word, 
Let's turn to Psalm 71. I'll give you two more verses, verse 17 and 18. David says this, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. Here too I have declared your wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I've showed your strength to this generation and thy power to everyone who's to come. Teach them the truth of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? We need the old men so we don't blow up. We need the truth of the word. (laughs) But we need the young men so we don't dry up. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. So what is the reach of the gospel? It's nations and generations. And how are we going to do it? By the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it takes two things to have revival. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what are we trying to do at Karis Christian Center? Well, number one, we want to reach nations. We want to have a multicultural church. Nations. We want to have a multicultural church. But we also want to have a multi-generational church. So once in a while, we did one today, a brand new song written in 2020. Once in a while, we do some stuff that the young people like, and sometimes Papa ain't really excited about it. But it's good for you, Papa. Hallelujah. Because if you haven't figured it out, it's not all about you. It's about nations and generations. So what we want to have at Karis Christian Center, we want to have a multicultural, multi-generational church that teaches the truth of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if we do that, our Father in heaven, listen, when you summon, you get to heaven. going to be really challenged with some of the worship you see in heaven. You're going to be really challenged with some of the people you see in heaven. <laughs> and you might be amazed by some of the people that aren't there too. Because what's going on the outside doesn't always tell what's happening on the inside. Nations and generations, multicultural, multi-generational church that teach the gospel in the truth of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. I love you. Thanks for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast with Pastor Lawson Purdue. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.carischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.